Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, that's not bad theology, right? God is holy and we need to get out of the grave. Amen. You guys stand with me. All right, praise the Lord. I was secretly hoping we would uh, sing that song, actually. Yeah, I broke it down in my office yesterday, man. I was, nobody was there. I was just getting after it, man, worshiping God. I looked like King David, except for I was clothed, so that was good. But I had as much fun as he did, I guarantee you. Hey, if you open up your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, we're going to read a very familiar scripture that's been preached from so many different angles. But it was on my heart for us this week. And uh, today I want to talk about walking in greatness. You know, that's a choice, amen? It really is a choice that we choose to walk in greatness. And I believe that Paul was pointing that out in this text here. So let's begin to read it. I'll read out the ESV version. If you have a little different version, that's okay. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Can I get an amen? That's a great place. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, our hearts are bowed. We take your word and we don't take it lightly, God. Let it change us, pierce our hearts and make us like you. God, we want to honor you. Thank you, Father, for your presence we feel. Let it continue. And everyone says, amen. amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Tell them you're glad that you're here. Yeah, if you guys, whatever device you're streaming by, thank you. We love you, and we're so glad that you're here. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you get to walk in greatness. Ask them. Say, are you walking in greatness? Yeah, yeah, I hope that you are. But I'm telling you, greatness is not found in an individual alone. Greatness is not found in a position. Greatness is not found in something that I long for unless that is what I long for. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. And then I can find greatness, amen? But it's not found in me, it's found in Him. Sometimes we meander into the flesh and here Paul is showing us through this scripture. I love it. He's bringing us to a fork in the road, a decision. Either you're going to choose flesh or you're going to choose spirit, but we get to decide. Now, as Christians, we also realize that sometimes in Christianity, we can meander in some fleshly areas that we don't need to be. Yeah, has anybody ever said anything you didn't mean to say? Sometimes we said it before we thought about it. I've learned in marriage, not a good plan. Not good, my friend, not good, right? But in Christianity, sometimes we do that and we get in the flesh and Paul is bringing us back here. And whenever we're in the flesh, it's not a good idea. During World War II, there was a surgeon and he called the White House and I guess he had connections and he was able to get a hold of the president, which shows me he had connections. He came up with a grandiose scheme to take bats and then put some kind of explosive around them, and then we could send these bats into our enemy territories, and they could blow them up, which is really not an altogether bad idea because they can get nooks and crannies and crevices that most animals can't. Now, if we look out through modern, if we look out through warfare, we know that it's been used throughout the centuries. We heard a great story about letting the cat out of the bag on Wednesday night. Upon a little bit of research, I found out that Alexander the Great uh, used pigs. He would put tar all over pigs and set them on 
fire, and he sent them into the enemy. Uh, the, the, the article was entitled, Roast Pig. It was pretty, pretty funny to read, but the, the, the enemy had elephants, and elephants were the tank of the day. So Alexander the Great decided, let's light a pig on fire and send it into our enemy. And it turned out to be good for him because those elephants got scared of the squealing pig and they retreated. So animals in modern warfare has not been, that has not been something that's new. But in World War II, they decided to use bats. What they didn't account for is the fatigue in the bats whenever they put them on the airline and shipped them down to Carlsbad, New Mexico. So they ship them down there and they have them in their crates and there's hundreds if not thousands of bats that they've now rigged up with explosives and they're going to go test drive them out kind of in the desert. Well, somehow the bats got out before they were ready for them to get out and they flew all over the base situation. Yeah, and then they begin to nestle and rest because of their fatigue up underneath some of those fuel tanks. <laughs> the good news is... Bats can carry explosives, and they actually explode. The bad deal is the whole thing was incinerated. <laughs> Burned the place down to the ground. Yeah, well, the same is true about us. When we start walking in the flesh, or if we want to stay in the flesh and not say yes to Jesus Christ, we're going to feel a little bit of fire too. Yeah, but we feel forgiveness too if we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. But we know walking in the flesh is not a very popular idea. And in our culture today... In some ways, it doesn't really matter. If we're all in, people can handle that to a certain degree. They don't want us to get on the fanatical side of Jesus and really believe everything that the Bible says. But the world would say it's okay to dabble in Christianity and to know it, you know. It's okay if you're absolutely cold. People out there don't care whether we're into Christianity or whether you're not, whether you follow Jesus Christ or you're not. And then there's another decision where we can be lukewarm. Yeah, and lukewarm's never good, Right? I know in my swimming pool, lukewarm makes me feel so good, though. See, that's the hard part about lukewarm. In my pool, I don't want to swim in a sauna, right? So I don't want it to be 100-plus degrees in that sucker. But neither do I want to jump in it and think I'm taking an ice bath either. My pool will be like 64 degrees. There's nothing fun about that. But I like that lukewarm feeling. And in the world, they would say, well, just stay in that lukewarm. You know, kind of say yes to Jesus and yes to the world. But Paul here is leading us to a crossroads and saying, no. You either choose to walk after Christ and walk in the Holy Spirit of God or you choose to walk in the flesh or in the world. And there's three different ways that walking is really talked about in the New Testament. And the first one is it's kind of a way that you're trying to go through a place. So one of the examples is whenever Jesus is going through Samaria, he just passes through. So that's one way that walk is a definition. The next one is where we walk in a life, and it's in Galatians. Paul writes about how our life should be in harmony with the things of God. How we should, we should have some sort of harmony. In Romans 4 and 12, Paul is writing to Rome. Now, we've already talked about Galatians here. In Rome, he's talking to them, and he says this, that it's okay to walk in the footsteps in the faith of our father Abraham. And he was talking, sharing with some of his Jewish friends, saying it's okay to follow after the footsteps of Abraham. Now, this is very care we got to be very careful in this. And the reason why is because there are some religions that have taken matriarchs and patriarchs and put them up to deity. Now, we have to pray through them to get to Jesus Christ. And that is absolutely biblically incorrect. Okay? 
Uh, but here, that's what I love about the walk here in harmony because Paul is bringing his friends back on solid ground and saying it's okay to look at the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the Bible and, and, and it's okay to follow after them and follow in their footsteps. Paul put it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. Does that make sense? So we see that, that, that definition of walk arise in the Bible as well. But there's one other one that I think is very important and it talks more about the lifestyle. It talks about how our lifestyle changes, that we walk in a, in a manner that's worthy. In the Old Testament, we see this same type of word. In the Hebrew, it's in Genesis 5 and 22, it says that Enoch walked with God. That doesn't mean he just walked beside him, but that means he adopted the principles of God, his commandments, his, his laws, and began to chase after them. In Deuteronomy 28, 9, it says, the Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he was sworn to. And if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God, and what? Walk in his ways. So there's ways of God that we have to walk in, that we have to adopt to. It becomes a lifestyle. It's now how I change. And the important thing is starting in the Old Testament is that we realize this is not a new thing. That whenever you invite Jesus Christ into your life, your life changes. The good news is it changes for the greatness. Now we get to walk in the greatness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. He says to walk in a manner worthy. What is he writing to his friends in Ephesus? To common people, if you will, the people of the church. Hey, our lives have changed, and now as we have created this relationship with Jesus Christ, now what I mean by create is we've said yes to it and walked with him and accepted him, that now this becomes a place of honor and a place of respect, and I have an honor and a duty because I want to walk worthy. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, I love this scripture because it shows that sometimes as Christians we can get a little off task. Anybody ever been off task? Yeah, done something you wasn't uh, supposed to do? Well, here he is talking to his friends in Corinth, and he goes, listen, I had to come to you and talk to you as infants in Christ. And he talks about how I had to give you just a little bit of milk, and if you know anything about babies, babies don't pop out of the womb, and you don't start feeding them steak, right? Doesn't happen. For some reason in the church, we think that's a good idea. Somebody gets saved, and now we throw out all these decrees sometimes, like, whoa, one of the things we really believe in here at Ray of Hope is there's a shallow end of the pool, and there's a deep end of the pool, right? Yeah, you can learn to swim if somebody throws you in the deep end, but it's not very much fun, right? It's better to wait and get acclimated, and that's what we try to do here. But Paul is saying, listen, I came to you as infants in Christ. And he says, listen, you were still in the flesh. You were doing some things in the flesh. And then he asks them this question, and he says, and behaving only in a human way. See, Paul brings us yet to another crossroad to these readers in Corinth as well as us as we read this text. That we have to believe that there is a supernatural way to think that passes my understanding. That I have received Jesus Christ into my life and into my heart. And my thinking changes, my actions changes, and it changes in a way sometimes that I don't understand. But as I read the word, I'm going to do it anyways, amen? And that's what he's leading them to. He's saying, listen, quit thinking only in human manner. But we can take some pressure off of us today. We can take some pressure understanding that it's a daily choice to walk in greatness. And that as Christians, we do deal with this from time to time. How many of you guys have ever started something then realized that God didn't call you to it? 
Yeah. You wanted to throw down some correction on somebody, maybe, and in the middle of it, you're like, whoops, God didn't tell me to say that. <laughs> didn't tell me to do that. I remember when I was a young man, and I thought uh, 15 years ago or so, uh, Mary and I had just gotten married, so it was less than that. And I was thinking, man, I have to do all these things for my family. I have to earn all this and put myself out there. And I got completely overwhelmed, and all of it was good, what I was trying to do, but it was the wrong timing. It was in the wrong attitude. I was trying to think carnally. I was trying to think with my mind instead of realizing that Christ is pushing me to a place that I believe supernaturally for things to happen and that he will provide. Amen? But I've got to be in that place. And we realize that it's very comforting because as we walk in greatness, as we walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, that we don't have to wonder if our lives count. Have you ever been in that spot where you're like, God, is, is what I'm doing even matter? Does anybody even realize what's going on? I know as a preacher, now you guys are not like this. You guys are a lot of fun to preach to. But I have preached sermons where I felt like I was just yelling at that wall. Right? Okay, this would be a conversation with your teenager from time to time. You guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah, love you guys, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens, that's okay. Whenever you're expressing your feelings, but we don't have to thank God, does my life even count we have to wonder, am I living for something greater? Yes, we are. We're getting to choose greatness. We're walking in greatness, walking in the Spirit. So that clears up those questions. Clears up the questions, am I walking in truth? Yes, because Jesus Christ is truth. Amen. Ah. So I don't have to wonder that. And when those questions sneak up on me and I kind of begin to slunk down and think, God, does it matter? I can go back and say, yes, I've chosen to walk in greatness. You can say, yes, I've chosen to walk in greatness. I'm walking with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know that he speaks to me, he walks with me, and he talks with me. Amen? And that's exciting news. That's really exciting. I think there's three of us that's really excited about that. But that's okay. That's okay. Help me out here, people. Help me out. Okay? Okay. Let's talk for a second here. Let's talk for a second here about what does it mean to walk in flesh. And I'm going to boil this down to almost nothing here, but this is, let's flatline it. It's really walking in self. It's really being so concerned about myself that I don't have room for anything else. And this is what I know. Whenever I create a picture of myself, that's a very small picture. It, it, it takes me away from understanding the big picture of what God is trying to do, and I become very selfish and self-minded in that process. And that always leads to flesh. In 1839, was the first selfie was actually taken. A gentleman by the name of Robert Cornelius in Philadelphia took the first selfie. Can you guys believe that? So this is how he did it. He had one of those old stand-up cameras. He took the lens cap off of it, ran about you know, 10 or 15 feet away from it, sat down, let the light flicker, and then he waited there for a minute. Then he runs back up and puts the lens cap back on the camera. And it, whenever he develops the film, it is the first selfie. Isn't that interesting? How many of you guys knew that? That should tell us a little something about how important selfies are. So when we get our self... In the picture, maybe we're not as important as we think we are. Okay, all right, we got that. All right, got some meat men's. I love it. I was, it kind of led me to a little bit more research and time, and I was looking at the top 20 photographs that were majorly, that were 
of high influence in the last century. And as far as I can tell, all of the hundred, definitely the top 20, you know none of them were selfies? They were all pictures of things that influenced people. Whether it be 9-11, whether it be a baby at 18 weeks, the fetus, which is a human at day one, in case anybody wonders. It was about the man in China. It was called the guy who had had enough. It was the guy who went out in front of the three tanks and stood with grocery sacks and calls three tanks to stand still in their tracks because he was just sick of it. It was civil rights activists and pictures. I mean, these guys were highly influential in the pictures, but none of them were selfies because sometimes whenever we get in the way, whenever we put ourselves there, it becomes less and less important, amen? Not that we're not of value, not that Christ, Christ died for us right there. That sets the value of who we are. But now our life becomes about something greater, and we get to choose greatness, amen? Right. Uh, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verses 43 through 45. And this gives us a good picture of kind of where we're going today. He is talking to these great teachers of the law who are completely concerned about themselves. They have had so many customs and traditions wound up in the laws now that they have taken those and actually now used them as a weapon to push people further away from God. They have used it as a way to create a chasm or what we would call a ditch between the people of God and themselves. And Christ did not consider these people that were doing this people of God. Let's read together here, John chapter 8, verses 43 through 45. He asked the question, why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Pretty straightforward. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Now what Christ does is take them on a journey and shows them their selfishness. He says the first thing that you guys do is you cannot bear my word. You tune me out. You act like I'm not even saying nothing, saying anything. You don't even want to hear what I have to say. Then he jumps down and he says, listen, you have your father's desires. Your father is not God. Your father is not Abraham. Your father is the devil. And the reason why he said that is because they had taken those rules and taken those laws in which were meant so that we could have a great outstanding life under God the Father. And they had taken them where normal people just could not meet the expectations. Have you ever felt like, I just can't meet that expectation? Thank God for Jesus Christ. Because he allows us to. He goes on and he's talking to them and he says, your father's a murderer. In some ways he's saying that you're you're a killer. You're killing people's hopes and dreams. You're making it to where they can never get to where they need to be. Then he goes down in verse 44 and he says, and you don't even operate like you have the truth in you. Then he goes and he says, then you turn from true understanding because he says in verse 44, the truth is not even in you. I mean, he's really letting them have it. <laughs> and then finally that last line, which is actually absolutely critical. You will refuse to believe. He takes them on this journey of where their selfishness has gotten them. 
to a place that they don't even believe in Jesus Christ as he stands before them, as he heals people, the fulfillment of the law. And they're so blinded by their flesh that they can't see. Now for us, as we go back through this, as Christians, these can be used as red flags. Have you ever wondered, is this God or is this me? Have you ever wondered that? I've wondered that sometimes. I've wondered, God, am I walking in the flesh here? Is my attitude fleshly or is it godly? Because there, there is righteous anger, right? There is some righteous actions that I need to take that others won't understand. It's whenever you tell your kids, no, you can't go there. No, you can't do that. It's whenever you make decisions at a family, whenever everybody else looks at you and asks you, why are you doing that? Well, I'm doing that because I believe the Spirit of God has set forth inside of me and led me to do it. Amen? But that's not always the case because we're imperfect. So let's go back over these just quickly. If you're wondering, Matt, is this the flesh or is this the spirit? Here's some red flags. Have you begun to tune out the voice of Christ? Now, this is something subtle that happens. It's that jerking of your heart. It's that midnight waking up and God tries to wrestle you out of bed because he wants to tell you something. And then you roll over and go back to sleep. Or you find yourself too busy to really see if what God has spoken to you is true. Has your desires began to change? Because this is what happens in the Scripture, according to the Scripture, they had the desires of their father and then their will changed too. So you had a willingness to serve God. You had a willingness to do whatever He called you to do. But because of the world and the enticement of sin, maybe your desires begin to change. And these are red flags. If your desires don't line up with the Bible, then that's a red flag that I'm in the flesh. Amen? Negativity. He says, your father was a murderer from the beginning. The father of lies. He killed the spiritual life of Adam and Eve in the garden, and we know that that led to Cain and Abel. And in our lives, if we're pursuing Christ or we think we're doing something that he's called us to do, and all of a sudden we become very negative about it, and negative to the people around us. And what we do is we start killing our hopes and dreams, and then when that's not enough, we go up to other people and start killing their hopes and dreams. Now, these are very subtle, but it does happen. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Why do I always feel like this? Then somebody comes up and shares a vision that they've had from God about something he spoke, and you're like, hey, don't, don't get so high and mighty. Right? We've all probably been there and had that happen. And then this is where it gets really scary. We begin to turn from truth. We begin to stand on what we think is right instead of going back to the Word and saying, is it right? We don't even operate in truth sometimes. And when that happens, see, whenever that happens, we begin to turn to our own understanding. Have you ever tried to do something in your own willpower, your own way, because you thought it was right? I've been there before, and boy, it's been a mistake. It's like the bats. <laughs> I felt the fire, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And I had consequences to go along with it, right? Well, here, whenever we turn to our own understanding, that could be a red flag. God, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to make this work. I don't get it. So I keep grinding it out, but I never really listen to God or go back to him and ask him. 
And then I find out that I'm doing it within my own understanding, and that's really dangerous because in verse 45 it says they did not believe. Now those hopes and dreams and promises, we just don't even believe anymore. God, I don't even know if they can come true. And really, it's not because God is slack in his faithfulness. It's because I've got into the flesh and began to walk down a road I didn't need to go. And I was not, listen, whenever I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, whenever you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, we are no longer made to live in the flesh. It's, we get fatigued. We don't belong. Have you guys ever seen a Christian try to act like a worldly person? It is the most awkward thing. I've been around Christians like that, and I've even been there myself. Maybe you cuss or you tell a joke, and it's not even funny. It's like super awkward, you know? Like people don't even laugh. They're like looking at you like, what? Just be a Christian because that's more natural than being a moron, you know? You know what I'm saying? That's what we think, and I'll say it. That's what we think, though. That's what happens whenever we begin to lie on our own understanding and we refuse to believe. And as we go forward in the Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, briefly, I was wondering, did John the Apostle learn anything? As he was writing his letter in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, which we won't read it all, it's very interesting how he said, don't believe every spirit you run into. Right. He, he put it in very simple form, verse 2. Every spirit that confesses Christ has come, from, come in the flesh is from God. The ones who deny Christ, well, they're not from God. Matter of fact, they have the spirit of the Antichrist. And then he goes down to verse 4, very familiar. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We get to walk in greatness because of the one that lies within me. I'm yet back at a decision. Do I choose it or do I choose not to? See, Paul begins to help us understand this concept in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27 whenever he talks about beating his flesh daily, trying to submit himself in line with the cross. And I think Paul's onto something because he would understand that one fleshly act turns into another fleshly act turns into another fleshly act now we've got a foothold in our life and that foothold will then turn into a stronghold now all of a sudden we're in a place in the flesh that we have a hard time getting out but I've got good news since we walk in greatness he answers the question in 2nd Corinthians 10 chapter 3 or chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 let's pay attention to number 4 where it says for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but we have what? divine power to destroy strongholds he takes away the excuses get off the fleshly path and get back in the spirit of God he makes a way he says I don't feel like I can get saved no he made a way through Jesus Jesus Christ, if you're not saved this morning, you can come down to the altar, submit your life to Christ, and you get to walk in divine power. And that's exciting news. We get to walk in greatness. Amen. We get to walk in greatness. But it's that choice, it's that fork in the road. Well, Matt, that all sounds great, but how do we get there? What does it mean to walk in greatness? I'm going to share four things with you really quick that will help us. The Bible teaches us about how we need to take care of our external, but we need to take care of our internal as well. Because just looking the part's not enough. We actually have to do it. Mary and I and Callie just got back from our vacation. We went down to the beach. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to go. And on the way down, we went through the southern route, went through the coastline, and on the way back up, I told Mary, I said, I've never been to Memphis. Let's go up to the northern route, and let's go to Memphis. Mary's like, okay, I think that's a great idea. She's smiling. I'm going to tell on her here. So she books a hotel in West Memphis. And we're all thinking, this is awesome. This is in the west side of the city. No, West Memphis is Arkansas. That's all it is. You cross the border and you're in Arkansas. That's it. 
It's just called West Memphis. Yeah, so we get out, we go into this hotel, and I won't name the chain. It's a chain that we use all the time. We walk in the building outside. It's pristine. It's beautiful. No trash on the ground. The parking lot's clean. We walk in, and the lady's super nice and tries to help us out, and she's over there about to bust a gut. And, and we, we check in our hotel, and we're thinking, this is great. And then as we get closer to the elevator, we pass through the lobby, and we notice there's some things that's not really right, you know? some smells and some stuff on the floor. We're thinking, well, maybe it's something else. We get into the elevator, and that floor is for sure dirty. When there's black, sticky stuff, mop your floor, right? So we get in the elevator, and I go up to the room, and we open the door, and there's this amazing smell (laughs) that just overwhelms you. And we're trying to tough it out not to be rude. And we walk in there, and what got me, as soon as I walked into the living room part, there was old crumbs on the floor. Like somebody had eaten breakfast, and it fell out of the muffin, and we didn't vacuum clean. I was just like, gross. You know, I told Mary, I said, "I've, I've got to do something about this. So I went back down to the lady, and she was super nice. And, and she did tell me this. She goes, you don't know how often this happens. I was like, well, get it. I was thinking, get it fixed. Good God, people. I said, I, just, I don't care if I get a vacuum cleaner. Or I new, need a new room, but I need something here. I need something. So she gave me a new room. Well, we walk into the other room, and, and the smell is not as bad. <laughs> it's, still, it's still there. And uh, the good news is there's no crumbs on the floor. Yeah. But two funny things that happened is that night, Callie and Mary are sleeping in a bed, and I'm sleeping in a bed by myself. And whenever you sleep with kids, sometimes they tend to kick you in the back and in the face and wherever else, you know. And she finally wakes up at 2 o'clock and wakes me up and says, Matt, trade me beds. And I'm like, all right, I can't wait to do this because my bed stinks, man. You know, the comforter, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm like, yeah, let's trade. Sounds good to me. (laughs) I don't care. I'll take a couple kicks to the groin. Let's go. This stinks. All right? And this is how bad it is. At 2 o'clock in the morning, she takes the comforter and she pulls it over her. Then all of a sudden, she flips it back and she goes, oh, my God, that stinks. Okay? When you get to stank, that's a whole new level. Right? This is the junior high locker room day after day. It's not stinky. It stinks. Okay? And I'm just cracking up and we're trying to be so good. And we get up the next morning and we leave. And my witty 10-year-old Callie says, way to go, Mom, way to get a hotel. And she, <laughs> and she was really looking to, forward to the pool. And she goes, way to get a hotel, Mom. You got the only hotel with a community pool. <laughs> no lie. We're, <laughs> we're thinking about swimming in the pool. We look out the window, and there are literally cars just driving up, parking, whole families getting out, and walking into this maximum capacity of like 30 people in the pool, and there is way more than that. And I look at Callie, I'm like, I ain't got nothing against swimming pools, but we ain't going tonight. I don't, it was crazy. And this is, what, this is what hit me. This is what hit me. It's what we do whenever we say we walk in the Spirit. We have the form of godliness, Now go with me. We have the form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. That hotel experience taught me a lot. I can look the part, but there's some things internally that need to be going on to make sure that I can be where I need to be. Amen, amen. I'll take the hand clap. Amen.
Now, four things real quick, and I won't keep you any longer. First, first thing, we walk in expectation. We have to walk in expectation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Shame, you have no place. We sang about it this morning, right? Shame doesn't have a place. Sin doesn't have a place. I can repent, and I can walk in expectation saying, God, what are you going to do with me today? What are you going to say to me? I also get to walk in the newness of life. Chapter 8 there, verses 1 through 4. We see that we have been set free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Paul puts it like this to the Romans in chapter 6. We too might walk in the newness of life. So when we get up in the morning, we understand that our salvation has brought a freshness to us. I know tomorrow or yesterday I had some accidents, but today is today. What are you speaking to me today? What are you speaking to me about my company, about my family, about myself? Because I know that I failed yesterday. Oh, but I've got a newness of life and those things don't have to stay attached to me. Amen? I can walk in expectation. I can walk in newness of life. And then we got to walk worthy of our Lord. Righteous requirement, verse 4, chapter 8. Righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We want to wor- walk worthy of our Lord because there's been some things fulfilled in us and there's more things that He wants to use us for so that can be fulfilled. So that we can speak into people's life and see their lives change. We can go to youth camp with 48 kids and want them to be filled with the Spirit and and fall in love with Jesus Christ and have a great time and do all that other stuff. But while we're there, we need to conduct ourselves in a worthy manner. Well, how do you you conduct yourself in a worthy manner? Colossians 1 and 10, Paul's talking to his friends and he says, So walk in 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 a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. To break that down simply, we need to please Christ. We need to work for Him. We need to bear fruit in our work. Showing up's not enough. Amen? Yeah, some of your employers are like, Amen. Don't just show up, clock in, do something while you're there. Okay? And then while you're doing that, you're increasing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then that's what we get to do. So we want to walk in expectation. We want to walk in the newness of life. We want to walk in a way that's worthy of Christ. And finally, we want to walk in the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. We want to walk in the Spirit that has been afforded to us, that has been given to us. That means I no longer gratify the desires of the flesh. But if you're internally battling those things, that's a good thing. Because here in Scripture it says that they oppose one another. And we know, as Paul said, we have to discipline our body. We have to beat our flesh. So it's, very, it's a positive thing that we have that fight inside of us. But I was thinking about this, that he says the works of the flesh are evident. And I asked this question to God, and this is where I'll land the bird. Why do I miss evidence? If the works of the flesh are evident, and I should be able to tell what they are, then why do I miss it, God? Why do I miss the evidence of me walking in the flesh? And I believe he gave me three quick things. The first thing is he said, Matt, you're too emotional. If a detective arrives on a scene and he's there to find out what happens or she's there to find out what happens, but they're emotionally connected to it too deep, then they're blinded by some of it. 
Maybe they've already got a conviction set in their mind. Maybe they've already got some decisions made of how it all happened. And I know with me being an emotional being, God's calling me to do something, or maybe I think that He is, and it's extremely important, and maybe it's just a timing deal, right? But if I'm not careful, I become so emotional about it that I become the battering ram and I've already got my mind made up and the decision made and how God's going to do it and I don't see the red flags of walking in the flesh. I don't see that red flag of selfishness. I don't see the red flag of a lack of self-control, maybe an attitude change, maybe my desires change a little bit. The next thing is just simply education. Maybe I don't know enough about the situation yet. And I need to step back and go to somebody who would know more about that situation. Maybe I need to dig in my word and say, God, I feel like you're leading me here and you're calling me to do this. Now where's the matriarch of the patriarch in the Bible that has done that same thing? And I want to become educated so I can do it in a manner that's worthy of you. Because I don't want to skip any evidence. If I get into idolatry or lack of self-control or maybe I'm not as gentle as I need to be. And the final, the third thing is the reason why we miss evidence is just a lack of experience. Sometimes we just don't have the experience that we need and we need to be trained a little more. So whenever the Spirit of God speaks to me, I need to go to an elder. Now, sometimes we go to people who's already been in that experience. Age doesn't matter. Maybe they've already fought that battle, and we can sit down with them and say, hey, can you teach me what to expect? But emotion and education and experience can all block me, and I move into the flesh as a Christian, and then once again, like the bat, I wind up in a fiery (laughs) place that I don't want to be. And as funny as that story is, could you imagine the cleanup? Could you imagine what was lost financially? On top of looking like an idiot, (laughs) you know? But all the stuff that was lost on all of that. And here in a second, I'm going to do an altar call. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to ask you to stand where you're at, and all the heads will be bowed. And whenever we are being called to something great, Whether it be salvation or God has spoken something into your life, maybe he's trying to get you back on that trail, off the flesh trail. Similar things will come into our minds. Emotions, God, I feel inadequate. God, I I don't feel like I can do it. Education, well, God, I've never been there before. I, I don't know if I can do it. And then I begin to question myself. You begin to question yourself. And finally, that experience. How many of you guys can relate to this? God, I've been at the altar a hundred times and it doesn't seem to change anything. That's when we have to go back and walk in expectation. That's whenever we dip dip sometimes seven times. (laughs) And we go back and do it again and again because we're doing what we know to do. But as you think right now, what is God leading you to? What is he asking you to get extremely serious about in your life? You're a Christian, you love Jesus, that's already settled. But you know he's taken you to a place and you're kind of nervous. Don't doubt yourself. Because Jesus Christ lives within you and we get to walk in greatness. But I rely on him and not myself. That divine power for pulling down of strongholds. And a lack of confidence, a feeling of inadequacy, doubt, fear, those are all strongholds. If we could, as people, get over them, many of them would have got over them a long time ago. Amen? 
but we're imperfect. Would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.